Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Amen. Before we uh, get into the sermon today, I wanted to uh, uh, thank Ms. Collette and the social committee and all those who uh, put together that fabulous luncheon that we had uh, last week. Indeed, let's give them a hand. Uh, amen. And to all of you who cooked, we want to give you a hand. <laughs> Uh, if, if you weren't able to, uh, to participate, when we have the next one, and do you have the next one scheduled yet? No, not yet, but uh, in a couple, two, three months, right? October. October, sometime in October. You'll want to be sure to participate in that. Oh, it was a fabulous time. Fellowship and delicious food, uh, entrees and uh, desserts. And, and uh, well, I, w I had my eye on that tiramisu, but uh, I, I spent too much time, you know, eating my, my entrees. <laughs> Imagine that, Ms. Anna. <laughs> so when I, when I looked up, well, those things were gone. <laughs> but uh, I want to, again, thank, thank all of those who, who made that possible. Amen. And then, you know, uh, we need to also recognize our Sunday school teachers because week after week after week after week, they prepare and uh, they take time out of their schedules and they prepare these lessons and they, they come and they teach those lessons on a, on a faithful and dependable basis. And so I'd like to have Miss Darlene and Brother Roger stand. All right? Okay, let's give them a hand. Thank you. Thank you for, for your dedication uh, to the Lord. And uh, then our, our deacons, you know, our deacons uh, do a tremendous amount of, uh, of work, and uh, Brother Tom is always uh, there on Sunday morning, Mr. Defendable. Every Sunday morning, he meets us out front, 
to bring in all of the all of the stuff that we have to you know that we have to bring and, and set up. So let's have our deacon stand up, please. Okay. Our Amen. We thank you. We thank you for your service, and Brother Jerry is always uh, so willing to to conduct uh, meetings over at his home, and you do that on a monthly basis. Plus, the deacons call. That's another reason why we we need your telephone numbers or or your emails because they they call and uh, they'll they'll call to check on folks. And uh, with our group, you know, if someone's not uh, in service for a couple weeks or so. Well, then we call to make sure that everything is okay. And, um, uh, you know, if you're ill, uh, I, I spoke with Miss uh, Sandy Nance yesterday, and, and we didn't know that Sandy had had an operation on her eye. And so she's not able to drive, and, and uh, she's restricted, you know, uh, her movement, et cetera, until August the 22nd, I think she mentioned to me. But uh, if, if ever you're facing a surgery or you're not feeling well, or you need help in, in any kind of way, call us. Let us know, because if, if we don't know, uh, then it's, it's kind of difficult for us to help you. <laughs> but uh, we want to help you. We, we want you to know that the church exists to minister. We want to minister to you. So something comes up and you need help, even if it's a ride to the airport or somebody to pick you up, okay? Give us a call, and we will help you with that. All right. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 10, as we should conclude the 10th chapter in the book of Matthew this, this morning. Trying to get this microphone to, to, uh, to operate correctly. Can you hear it all the way in the back? Can you hear it all the way in the back? Following Jesus, a life of devotion life of devotion. We're going to begin reading at the 34th verse in the chapter of, or in chapter 10 in the book of Matthew. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, or her mother, excuse me and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward, and he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Let's pray, please. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and we thank you, Lord, for your holy word. 
We thank you for the blessing of life and the wonderful privilege, the awesome privilege, the blessing it is to be your children. Help us as we study your holy word by your Holy Spirit to understand and to apply these truths, your word, to our lives. Help us to understand what it means to be devoted to you. Open our eyes, O Lord, that we might see what you would have us to do, where you would have us to serve, whom you would have us to speak to and to share your love with. And help us, Lord, also as we pray to lift up those not only in our own congregation, but in our community, in our state, our nation, and the world. So many people, Lord, who are suffering as a result of various events, war, flooding, the weather, laws that are being enacted that are wicked and evil. We pray for revival in our nation, yes. But we also pray for revival in our own souls, in our own hearts, in our own church, as well as our sister churches and sister denominations. Now, Lord, we ask that you speak to us from your holy word. To the glory and to the honor of the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray and give thanks. Amen. And so, Jesus teaches here the biblical order of relationships. Now, in case you, you don't realize it, the government does not give birth to any human being. And it was not the government that founded the institution of marriage. Therefore, the government has no right, none whatsoever, to define what a marriage is. Although it's taken it upon itself to do that, yet God is the creator and the giver, the founder, if you will, of marriage and the family. And God is not confused about it. I learned just this morning, just this morning, that the president is now pressuring states in the United States of America if they will not adopt the LGBTQ right, program and teach that in the schools, that the government will now withhold the federal funds for the boys and girls, the students' lunches. All right. So you're going to punish the kids. Right? You see, people were under this impression that this person really cared about, right? Because he spoke softly. I would rather have someone holler at me and tell me the truth than to speak so softly to me and lie. 
Jesus here gives us the proper biblical order of relationships. All right, so someone's, someone's uh, I don't know, maybe your hearing aid or maybe phone. Okay. <laughs> What's it? Okay. All right. But notice what he says. He says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. But you ask the question, he's the prince of peace, right? Yes. But you see, the Bible speaks of many different types of peace. Billy Graham wrote a book, Steps to Peace with God. That peace that's described in the scripture is the peace of a relationship where one comes to know Jesus as Savior and they discover the blessing of forgiveness, the gift of eternal life. Instead of being estranged from God or having a, a, a non-relationship with God, they come into a peaceful relationship with God. Forgiven. They discover his love. They discover that they are a child of God. And he gives them purpose. He gives them meaning. And he transforms their life. And what Jesus is talking about here is, you know people that say, well, can't we just all get along? Now, it would be a good thing if, if we could get along. We're not saying that that's, that's a negative thing, to get along. But, Jesus says, when a person comes to know me as Lord and Savior, there is the possibility or the probability that there will be one or more within their own family who will no longer get along with them. They won't see eye to eye. You know that in some cases, those who come to know Jesus as their Savior are disowned by their family. Some are even put to death. Now here's something else that is so sad. The U.S. pull out of Afghanistan. So you may not be aware, but Afghanistan has become the worst country within which to be a Christian ever since the U.S. pulled out and the way that it pulled out. Christians are being hunted down and killed. They're being murdered in Afghanistan. They won't tell you that on the news because that doesn't fit their agenda. That's what the pullout has resulted in. And the Taliban is going house to house, hunting down people. And if they find a Bible or someone who is converted to Christianity from Islam, they're murdered. Jesus talks about love and respect, provision. Now over in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, that's where we find the Ten Commandments. And the first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. 
We are to acknowledge him as God, and, and he alone is God. We're to respect him. We're to love him. We're to worship him. We're not to, to have any idols. We're not to bow down before idols. We're not to take his name in vain. And we're to be consistent in our church worship. The Sabbath day, or the, the day of worship for us as Christians, Sunday, the biblical Sabbath is Saturday, the going down of the sun on Friday night to the going down of the sun on Saturday night. That's the biblical Sabbath. But the Bible also teaches that there are varying Sabbaths. Christians are to worship the Lord seven days a week, not just one day a week. But what is Jesus talking about here when he says if you love your, your, your family members or anyone else more than you love the Lord, then you're, you're not worthy of it. This idea of love, the word used here, is the attitude of placing a family member above God. Placing a family member above God. You say, well, I, I you know, I, I, I love my kids, or I, you know, uh, I love my cousin, or I love my, my, uh, my aunt or uncle or whatever the case might be or my grandson or my, my son, my daughter, etc, etc, etc and I, I, I don't want to offend them. Once again I'd rather offend somebody by telling them the truth than being nice to them and participating in their lives. Big difference. It's a huge difference. Huge difference. Love, respect, and provision. Over in uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, basically describes children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. right. This is right in the eyes or in the sight of God. And husbands are to love their wives. And they're not to be overburdensome upon their children, etc. But all of this is, is in line with the Lord's will. And then uh, uh, in Timothy there, in Timothy, it says that, that we're to provide for our families. That's been forgotten. You see, the government, now, and some of you will consider this a, a controversial statement, but the government is in the business of control and slavery. <laughs> You say, how so? By robbing people of the wonderful privilege of working or being industrious and earning a living. No. We will give you money so you don't have to work, but we'll also tell you how you can spend it and where you can spend it. That's a form of control and slavery. Now, I'm not talking about Social Security that you worked for and have earned. No. I'm talking about those people who don't work, who are able-bodied and able to work, but instead of providing for their own families, oh, they depend upon Uncle Sam. Big difference. Huge difference. And it's destroying this nation. 
provision. We're to provide for our families. Do you know that in the, the majority of countries around the world, that women actually believe that it is a noble thing to be a mother? And they're not confused about what a woman is. They know what a woman is, and they know what a mother is. You notice Jesus didn't say, uh, uh, against a father and a, a, a her, a she, a, 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 an id, a birther person. That's how Kamala Harris introduced herself overseas at, at some you know, political meeting. Kamala Harris, uh, her, she, woman in the, or female in the, the business suit or something, um, crazy nonsense. And of course the people laughed. And they weren't laughing with, the big difference, laughing at. Making the United States of America a laughing stock to the rest of the world. And the media would have you to believe that the majority of countries in the world adopt this, this you know, program. No. It's my understanding that, that abortion is only allowed in something like seven countries in the world. Now you look into that and, and, and check it. And you know, they use this idea of uh, the uh, rape and incest, etc., to justify abortion. Less than 1%, less than 1% of all abortions are because of that. Less than 1%. That means 99%, 99% plus are for convenience or embarrassment. The biblical order of relationships. Hmm. We're to provide for our families. You're not to have sex outside of marriage. Within marriage, it's blessed. Outside of marriage, it's evil and wicked and destructive. And this new thing going around, monkeypox. They come up with these names because of men who are acting like monkeys. Because mainly, that's who's infected, homosexual men acting like monkeys. Oh, but that's, that's their right. And you know, I have difficulty with a Supreme Court justice, the new one. And she was asked, can you define a woman? Tell me, a person who has a, 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 a doctor of jurisprudence degree cannot tell you or define what a woman is? How ridiculous is that? But now they're going to serve on the highest court in the land. Utter, now, when I was a kid, we couldn't use this word. It was like a curse word in our home. My parents wouldn't allow us to use this word. Utter stupidity. And that is what we have leading the country today. Jesus says, if you love anyone within your own family even. And why does he use the family? Because that's, that's generally, usually, the ones that we love the most. 
those that are the nearest and dearest to us. And he says, if you love them, any one of them, more than you love me, that is the Lord, you're not suitable. You're not worthy. You're not ready for heaven. Now, Jesus is, in fact, the Prince of Peace. And over in the, the Gospel of Luke, we, we read, when the angels appeared to the shepherds, right? Peace, goodwill, right? Toward men, or toward men or people of goodwill. They were talking about the salvation peace, the peace that God offers by providing his son who would go to the cross making it possible for a person to have a right relationship with him. A.T. Robertson, a tremendous uh, Greek scholar of days gone by, says, family ties and social ties cannot stand in the way of loyalty to Christ. Let me read that again. Family ties and social ties cannot stand in the way of loyalty to Christ. Don't put your family before the Lord. You'll find oftentimes that when you come to know the Lord as Savior, the family will be divided. Our second point. What does it mean to take up one's cross and follow Jesus? Well, in ancient times, the Romans and others, Carthaginians, and even some of the Greeks, they would use the, the cross as a means of punishment for criminals. They would use it to both intimidate and humiliate condemned criminals. And generally what would happen is they would make the condemned person carry the cross beam of the cross. They'd have to carry that to the place of execution and then once there, they would attach it to the upright beam, and the person would be then nailed to the cross. And we know that the Lord Jesus carried his cross beam until uh, Simon of Serene was then uh, prevailed upon to, to, to carry it uh, a portion of the way because they had so beaten Jesus. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Jesus was so beaten, his beard was plucked out, that he was not even recognizable. Any ordinary man would have died prior to going to the cross had that person been beaten the way that Jesus had been beaten. The cross in the ministry of the disciples. What is Jesus referring to? He's getting ready to send them out, right? They're, they're getting ready to go out, and they need to know that when they go out, they're going to face opposition. Some are even going to face death. But they must be willing to face that death for their Lord. He had just said, and we looked at that last week, that every hair of their head was numbered. And that nothing could happen to them apart from the Father's will. From the Father's will. And... Paul and Silas are a tremendous example. You recall when they were arrested and put into prison? And there in the prison, they had been beaten, 
because they preached Christ, and yet in the prison, what did they do? They sang hymns. It says they lifted their voice and they sang hymns, and all the rest of the other prisoners heard them. They were overjoyed at the fact that they were counted worthy to be beaten and arrested for the cause of Christ, for the name of the Lord. Amen? And we can complain, you know, when that waitress takes a little long in the restaurant. The cross today, a life of sacrifice. How about the death of one's reputation? You come to know Jesus as Savior. You begin to speak about him in certain circles. Your friends begin to, to move away. And they call you one of those born-again freaks, or a, you know, they think that you're out in left field. Yeah. They don't think you're very smart, you know, to, uh, you're like one of those folks from the Bible Belt that uh, believe in Jesus. Yes. And if you knew better, you would believe him as well. For many today, the cross is a, you know, a piece of jewelry, maybe an earrings or necklace or whatever the case. And that's okay if you truly believe that the cross symbolizes the redemptive love of God. Amen? But that piece of jewelry doesn't have any power, just so, so that you know. That little piece of jewelry can become an idol for you. But when you place that cross around your neck or, or on your ear, wherever it might be, a ring that has a cross on it, and you look at that, it should be just like when you look and see a rainbow in the sky. God's faithfulness. It is a symbol of God's faithful love. Worthiness, suitability. You recall Lot's wife? When God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he told them, the angels told them, don't look back. And what did she do? Lot's wife looked back, and the Bible says she became a pillar of salt. There are so many people who, who, who they come to know the Lord as Savior, and then they begin missing the old life. You know, they used to go out with the boys and, uh, and all of that. You'll recall Peter. Here, Peter walked with the Lord. He was the one who said, I, I'll never deny you. And yet, before the rooster crowed three times, he denied the Lord three times, didn't he? Three times he denied the Lord. Ah, but in his heart, the Lord knew Peter. And Peter was restored. That's what I have John there. 15 through 27 is where he denies the Lord. And then John 21, 15 through 27 is where the Lord Jesus restores Peter. And what does it mean to, to find one's life or to lose one's life? Finding is, it, it, in the Greek, it, it means grasping, this idea of grasping to one's life, to one's reputation, to one's position. Whenever that position or their life is threatened because 
They're a Christian. And so what do they do? They acquiesce to whoever so that they don't lose that position. They'd rather deny the Lord than to stand up for it. But he says, if you, in that situation, will stand up, you will be saved. And even though you may lose your reputation here, and you may lose your life here, you will not lose that eternal reward. Because that's what Jesus goes on to further explain. And we're running out of time here, but Let me just share this with you. And we'll, we'll, we'll continue this next week, but let me have you turn, as we bring this to a close, to 2 Corinthians and chapter 5. 2 Corinthians and chapter 5. And verse 10. 2 Corinthians 5, 10. Or verse 9. Let's start at 9. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, that is to Christ. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are well known to God, and I also trust we are well known in your consciences. And so we'll, we'll finish this up next week. But you're here today, and we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And what are you investing in the kingdom of God? Because that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about investing in the kingdom of God and being willing to stand up and to take your cross. Are you willing? Are you willing to endure that for him? Maybe you've, you've accepted the Lord, you believe in the Lord, but you've never been baptized. How long are you going to wait? You already know that the Bible teaches you should be baptized. Come, make your decision. Stop putting it off. Or to join the church and to serve him in the church officially. We're going to sing. And as we sing, you come to the Lord. Let's stand, please. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word, and we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.